Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Today we're going to be talking about the Day of the Lord. Again, God keeps directing me to bring Bible prophecy to you, so I hope that you will stick with me because I'm about to show you something that I am pretty sure that you do not know. Let's put it this way. Two years ago, I didn't know some of the things I'm about to bring to you right now. So when I say the Day of the Lord, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the Feast of Trumpets. This is about four months after the Marriage Supper. This is the second time that Jesus returns. The first time he returns as the Lamb with the 144,000 on first fruits. And then 50 days later on Pentecost, he raises those that are ready to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. They go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, where Jesus has changed from being the Lamb to the Lion, from changed from being the Prince of the Kings of the Earth to becoming the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. About four months later, we are given the white horses along with Jesus, and we return with him on the Feast of Trumpets for the Day of the Lord. Now, it is one day. It is one evening and one morning. I believe it's Isaiah seventeen fourteen that says, In the evening tide they are, and by the morning they are not. Meaning that in one day, everything that has been hidden all the way back to Adam, that is not covered in the blood of Jesus, not covered by the wedding garment, is all revealed. And in one day, everyone's name who has ever asked Jesus into the heart all receive their rewards, and everyone that is alive that is not in Jesus is all destroyed. They literally fall to the ground in a pile of ashes and bones as Jesus with the morning star hits them. So that's the day we're about to discuss today. I'm going to show you some things you probably have never seen before. We're going to start with the things that you are familiar with, and then we're going to go to some things you probably don't know. Matthew 24, verse 27. As the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now my guess is that you're thinking the same thing I used to think before I understood what the morning star was. And that is that Jesus will just come and then flash across the sky like the lightning. Wrong. <laughs> That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the morning star. The morning star is a light sword that comes out of the mouth. For example, in Revelation 3, it says, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works to the end, the same will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And they, as the vessels of potter, they shall be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father, and I will give him the morning star. The morning star is the thing that the two witnesses use. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. If any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. That's the morning star. That's what Jesus uses when he returns on the day of trumpets to destroy all of the tares. Next verse. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. Well, we know when the sun is darkened. That is in the fifth vial. Because in the fourth vial, the sun gets seven times harder, Isaiah 30, verse 26. And then the next day, it goes totally black. So the sun is dark, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Again, that's the day of the Lord. And he shall send his angels out with a great sound of a trumpet. That's a confirmation that this is happening on the Feast of Trumpets. And they shall gather together his elect 
from the four winds of heaven, from one end of heaven to the other. Now, this happens after the burning of the tares. How do you know? Because Matthew thirteen thirty says, Gather ye first the tares, that's the sinners, bind them into bundles, cast them into the fire, then gather my wheat into the barn. This is gathering the wheat into the barn after the burning of the tares. Now, let's jump to another verse you're familiar with. First Thessalonians four sixteen. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Meaning that those people that are in Christ that have not already died and are still alive all the way to the end, meaning those people that are alive even to the Feast of Trumpets are not going to stop those people that are resurrected about four months later on Pentecost. Next verse. For the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout. Now remember that word because we're going to cover that in other places. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And that is the trumpet on the day of trumpets. That is the seventh trumpet. Or in the next verse we're going to read where it says the last trump. Meaning the seventh of the seven trumpets. The trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Well, in this case, the dead in Christ for the wedding garments, for the wedding feast, those that were ready had already resurrected about four months before this. But of course, there's still some dead in Christ that died from Pentecost, which is about four months later, to trumpets. And it says the dead in Christ on that day, the feast of trumpets, will rise first. Then we which are alive, those that have survived all the way to the end and remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's when he returns in the clouds with his morning star to burn all of the tares. Then let's jump to another verse you're familiar with. Then we're going to go to the ones you're probably not familiar with. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He's talking about we all get our glorified body all of us, on the same day. Now, yes, those people that go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, they get a glorified body then, but they do not get the rewards. So on the day of trumpets is the judgment seat of Christ, and that's when everyone gets the rewards. Those that go to the marriage supper about four months later, they only get a wedding garment, and then they get a white horse four months later when they return with Jesus. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. That's, again, the seventh trumpet. So here we have three times it's told us upon what feast Jesus returns and what happens on that feast, and it is the feast of trumpets. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. Now, let's jump to some verses you're probably not familiar with, and you're going to see Probably a picture you've never seen before. Second Samuel 22.8. Now this happens right after a great victory for David. And David is giving praise to God. And then all of a sudden he jumps into this segment of verses. And they are specifically talking about the day of the Lord when Jesus returns. So we're going to go to Second Samuel 22.8. And the earth shook and trembled. Well, that is the day that the heaven fled away and the mountains were found no more. Meaning that that's the day that every valley is raised, every mountain falls, the rough places are made smooth, and the crooked places are made straight. That's the day that Jesus arises to shake the earth terribly. That's the day that there is no more sea 
Everything on the earth is made into a nice, round, smooth ball. Another scripture says you'll be able to walk across rivers with your sandals on and not get your feet wet, meaning it's a nice, round, smooth ball. And the earth shook and trembled, and the foundations of heaven moved and shook because he was wroth. And there went up smoke out of his nostrils. That's the morning star with which he burns the uh, the tares. And fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens. Now, let's talk about that, bowed the heavens. Because there's several times in the scripture it talks about the bowing of the heavens. I believe that when God said Bereshit, which is light. Now, King James says, he said, let there be light. But in the Hebrew, it says, he simply said the word light. And all of a sudden, the heavens and the earth were created. He threw the stars in place with his finger and called them by name. But before that, Father gave him the book of life with everyone's name in it that would be saved. In other words, those people that would be given to Jesus were written in a book before he said Bereshit, before he said light, before the heavens and the earth were created. And then when they were created, all of a sudden time was created at the same time. And when it said he bowed the heavens, that's another way of saying at this point, there is no more time. At this point, there is no more sun, moon, stars. All of those have to do with time. When he bowed the heavens, he's saying basically like he says in Revelation 19, when he returns for the day of the Lord, I saw heaven opened. There's several places in Revelation that talks about heaven opened. That's what it's talking about. In other words, all of a sudden, there is no more time. There is no long trip between planet heaven and America or the earth on that day. On that day, it is simply an opening of the heavens, opening of time. He bowed the heavens also and came down and darkness was under his feet. You see, in the millennium and in eternity, we are on the earth. And when we look up into the sky, we will see no sun, no moon, no stars, nothing. Because Jesus is the only light, because we will be living in eternity where there is no time. So there is no heavens, there is no sun, moon, stars. That's the reason it says, and darkness was under his feet, because he then closed time. And he rode upon a cherub, and that would be the white horse, Revelation 19, and I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon it was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Means that he's coming down for Armageddon. And he rode upon a cherub, and did fly, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind, and he made darkness pavilions round about him, meaning that there is no more time at this point. The sun, moon, and stars are rolled up like a scroll, like Revelation 6 says. There is no more time. Time goes away at that point. That's the reason it says the judgment is set, the books are open, the beast is slain, Jesus returns in the clouds, and all time is over. That's when the seventh seal or the seventh vial is poured out into the air. That's when the voice comes from the throne that says, It is done. And he made darkness pavilions round about him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. Through the brightness before him were coals of fire kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, 
and the Most High uttered his voice, and he sent out arrows. That's the morning star. They look like arrows. They look like light swords. They look like lightning, shineth even from the east unto the west, and scattered them lightning, and discomforted them. And the channels of the sea appeared, meaning that every mountain falls, every valley is filled in, and there is no more sea. The channels of the sea appeared. The foundations of the world were discovered at the rebuking of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. Again, that's the morning star. Now let's jump to Psalm 97, still talking about the day of the Lord, the one single evening and morning when Jesus returns as King of kings and Lord of lords. Psalm 97, 1, And the Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of isles be glad thereof, Clouds and darkness are round about him. Once again, time has gone away. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. He's now returning to judge. On trumpets, it is the judgment seat of Christ. Ten days later, on atonement, it is the great white throne. Jesus is the judge at both. Verse 3. A fire goeth before him, that's the morning star, and burneth up his enemies round about. His lightnings, again that's the morning star, enlightened the world, and the earth saw and trembled, and the hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. And the heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. In other words, they see his light. They see that literally he is the light of the world. Now let's jump down to Armageddon. So now as Jesus pops through the time window and the sun, moon, and stars disappear, and he's now going to use the morning star to burn up all the tares, this is a picture of what is going on that day. Joel 2, verse 1. Blow the trumpet in Zion, that's Israel. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. Why? Because the entire earth is shaking. It's shaking so hard and so violently that not only can most people not stand, but the mountains are thrown down. Every valley is filled in. The sea is filled up. Everything in the sea died about 48 hours before then anyway. Tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess. See, again, time is gone. And a day of clouds and thick darkness. Time is gone. That's what he's saying. As the morning is spread upon the mountains. A great people, this is your new world order army headed by the beast. Great people is strong. There hath not been the like, neither shall there be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. So this is the greatest army from the 6,000-year history of mankind. This is the greatest, most powerful army, army that the beast could possibly assemble. Even to the years of many generations, a fire devoureth before them, probably some kind of new advanced weapon, maybe some kind of laser. Behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. So this new world order army, oh yeah, it's very powerful, but it's nothing compared to Jesus. The appearance of them, as the appearance of horses, and as horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of the chariots chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap. Like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble as a strong people set in battle array. This is where Revelation 19 says, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse in his army. 
And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet which wrought miracles before them, with which he deceived them, that had received the mark of the beast, and them that had worshipped his image. And these both were cast alive in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And the remnant was slain by the sword of him that sat on the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. That, my friend, is Armageddon. Now let's go back to Joel. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap. Like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble, as a strong people set in battle array. Meaning, a flame of fire, he's talking about the morning star, the fire, the lightning sword, the lightsaber that comes out of Jesus' mouth when he blows with the breath of his nostrils. And it looks like lightning shineth even from the east unto the west as it zip across the sky and as it just burns and turns those people into piles of ashes and bones as it hits them. Zechariah 14 describes what it's like. And this shall be the, what shall be the judgment of those that fight against the people in Jerusalem. Their eyes shall consume out of their sockets. The tongues shall consume out of their mouth. The flesh consumes off of the bone before the people can even hit the ground. Verse 6, Joel chapter 2. Before the faced, the people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather blackness. Why do all faces turn black? It's because 48 hours before this, the sun got seven times hotter. In other words, everyone is beyond sunburn. Every flesh on the earth is all turned black. That's what he's saying. They shall run like mighty men. In other words, they're probably some kind of a hybrid between Lucifer and the people on earth. I mean, that's what they're trying to do. All of this Hulk stuff, the Spider-Man stuff. It's all talking about hybrids and making super soldiers. They climb the wall like men of war. They shall march everyone on his ways and they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. In other words, they don't fight against each other. They fight united. They shall walk everyone in his path. And when they shall fall on a sword, they shall not be wounded. Meaning either they pull the sword out and they have instant healing, which is my guess, or they have some kind of a coating that a bullet or a sword or a knife cannot penetrate. Either way, they're pretty much invincible. And they think that they're going to defeat the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, Not. Not going to happen. Verse 9. They shall run to and fro in the city, speaking of New Jerusalem, or speaking of Jerusalem, excuse me. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb upon the houses. They shall enter at the windows like a thief. In other words, they're attacking Jerusalem. They're going to destroy everyone in Jerusalem. That's their objective. The earth shall quake before them. Again, every mountain is falling. Every valley is filling in. The heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark. Again, time is gone. Jesus has returned and split time wide open. And that's the reason there is no more sun, moon, or stars that you'll ever see in all of eternity. They're all gone. The only light will be the light, Jesus, the light of the world. So the side of the moon should be dark. The stars shall withdraw their shining, meaning you won't be able to see the stars. And the earth and the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For he is strong that executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? Now, let me clarify something. There is only three things that fight in this battle, and that is Jesus on his white horse with his morning star. And then there are two other 
angels that return with sharp sickles. The angels slash and crush the grapes. That's the reason the wine flows or the blood flows out of the wine press, even under the horse's bridle by the space of 1,600 furlongs. And then Jesus burns the tares. So there's two things happen that day. The burning of the tares, as the morning star hits them, they fall to the ground on a pile of ashes and bones. And as the grapes are crushed with the two angels that have the sharp sickles, and how that works, the Bible does not exactly tell us. But they are all killed. Somebody asked me, what's the difference between a tear and a grape? Well, tares live among the wheat. But grapes, they don't live among the wheat. So a grape nation would be a nation that has almost no Christians in it. Whereas the tares, well, the tares are the people that live among the wheat. They go to church with the wheat. They work with the wheat. But they're not the wheat. Now let's go to Nahum 1-2. God is jealous, and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth meaning that when he returns on the day of the Lord, he is bringing revenge to all those that hate him, all of his enemies, those people that despite everything he was able to do, simply refused to repent and to receive him. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger, great in power, and will not acquit the wicked. In other words, not one tear. Not one grape will escape. Not one. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and the storms and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry and dryeth all the rivers. Again, there is no more sea. There are no more rivers. The mountains quake at him. The hills melt. The earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? Now, when he's saying who can stand before his indignation, he's saying, if you make it through the burning, I counsel thee to buy me gold gold tried in the fire. He's saying, if you make it through that day, if you make it past the judgment seat of Christ, if you make it past the burning of the tares and the slashing of the grapes, then you get to live. You survive. That's the reason uh, Luke 21, 36 says, Watch ye therefore and pray always that you might be accounted worthy to escape all these things and to stand before the Son of Man. It's not talking about you get to escape to some seven-year tribulation. It's talking about can you escape the burning of the tares and the slashing of the grapes? Can you escape the morning star? That's what it's talking about. Who can stand before his indignation? His indignation is when he returns one evening and one morning to use the morning star to burn up all of the tares. And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. Again, every mountain falls. The Lord is good, a strong hold in the day of trouble. Every time we find these words about the day of the Lord, we also find them followed up or preceded by how he is going to take care of his own in that time of trouble. He knoweth them that trust him. But with an overflowing flood, and that's not water, that's fire, my brothers and sisters, he will make an utter end of the place thereof, and darkness shall pursue his enemies. What do you imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Now, this is an important point. I've had some people ask me, so is there going to be another earth? Is there going to be another time when Jesus has to be sacrificed? Is there going to be another time that Jesus has to return? Another time when the new Jerusalem comes down? Well, here's the answer to that. I'm reading from Nahum 
1, 9, and it says, Affliction shall not rise the second time. Affliction shall not rise the second time. Meaning, there is not going to be another earth, another Adam and Eve, another time where Jesus has to die, another time where we go through this again. This is it. One and only time. Verse 10. For while they be folded together as thorns, this is talking about the people that are not in the book of life that are living on the earth, and while they be drunken as drunkards, they shall be devoured as stubble fully dry. So when that morning star hits them, it's like burning straw. It just burns instantly. Now let's go to Zephaniah 114. We're almost done. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man, shall cry there bitterly. The day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness. You see, every time we hear that darkness, because he's splitting time, he's entering through time, and in time there is darkness. There is no light other than Jesus. Jesus is the only light, light, so there is no sun, moon, stars. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet. That's the fourth time it's confirmed this happens on the Feast of Trumpets. A day of trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men. Well, why would they walk like blind men? The answer is 72 hours earlier, the sun got seven times hotter. It burned all of the skin. Everybody on earth has black skin because they are beyond sunburn. It's some kind of a burn like gamma rays. Who knows what kind of what rays comes from it. But it turns all flesh on the earth black. Totally black, the Bible says. And in this case, they shall walk like blind men. Because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood should be poured out as dust. Again, as the morning star hits them, they fall to the ground and pile up ashes and bones. And I say bones. But, you know, it may only just be dust. And their flesh flesh as dung. Neither shall the silver nor the gold be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. There's your morning star again. For he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. Well, brothers and sisters, that's the conclusion of me talking about the day of the Lord today. But I've said a lot of things there that probably went by you pretty fast and didn't understand them. But you've just got to get my book. I mean, I'm not trying to sell. I'm not trying to make money. I'm not trying to get rich. I'm trying to win as many people as I possibly can. In case you missed, what happened was about two years ago, on a lark, I just decided to memorize the book of Revelation. And as I started memorizing it, I started getting revelations. I got 30 revelations and two visions and an audible voice. Essentially, he showed me a secret door. There is a secret door that links the feasts of Leviticus to the prophecies of Revelation. I show you that door. And when you find that door, all of a sudden, you know how the prophecies fit together with the feasts. You know the chronological order. You understand that Jesus returns twice. You understand that he returns the first time as a lamb, second time as a lion, first time to Mount Zion, second time a Mount of Olives. You'll understand prophecy like you have never ever understood it before, and I think it is safe to say that probably 
No one on the earth has been given this. This is all new information, not because I'm great, but because time is running out. One for 20, five for 30, 10 for 55. One for 20, five for 30, 10 for 55. Go to prophecyclub.com. A case of 60 for 250. One book for 20, five for 30, 10 for 55. Go to prophecyclub.com. Place your order. We have books in stock ready to get them out. One for 20, five for 30, 10 for 55. My challenge is this. Read the first 13 pages, and I believe you will start handing the book around to your friends. And when you hand it to them, first question they're going to say is, does it preach pre-trib? Here's what you say. It's a book about the 30 revelations the guy had. Not one revelation was given to him about the rapture. He does not discuss the rapture. The word rapture does not appear in the book. And whatever your position, pre-mid or post, he is going. He is not going to change your opinion on anything. The point of the book is not to change anyone's opinion about the rapture. So a pre-tripper can read the book, and probably their opinion is not going to be changed. They'd have to look really, really close to get their opinion changed. In the meantime, it is summertime, and our mailbox is filled up with concrete, just like it does every summer. People go on vacation, and they spend the money on vacation, I guess. Anyway, if God has blessed you, if this ministry has blessed you, if you could possibly help us now, it would be a really, really good time to do so. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Now you can donate to the Prophecy Club on your mobile device. Just text the word PROPHECY to 444-999 and follow the prompts. Just text the word PROPHECY to 444-999 and follow the prompts. Message and data rates may apply. 